one, two. Freddy's coming. Oh. In you. No! That's right. But apt. (laughs) (laughs) This is America's most closeted podcast, The Pod People. I'm Matisse Van Rossum, and I scream myself awake every morning. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Ben Sheets, and you guys should check out my new punk band, The Exploding Parakeets. (laughs) Damn, sounds pretty good. I'll have to check them out. Hello, I'm Cleveland Mosier, and there's a man inside me. (laughs) A nightmare man. A nightman. I was gonna save. <laughs> I was gonna save this for later, but since you mentioned it, like I was a big I nightman cometh. I vibes. could not stop thinking yeah. during this movie about how Freddy Krueger is just the, the nightman. nightman. <laughs> nightman what a great start. Sneaky and mean. Spider inside my dreams. I think I love you. You make me want to cry. You make me want to die. I love you. I love you. I love you, nightman. Nightman. Man truly cometh. Well, off to a great start. Uh, we have Ben to thank for the movie that we're talking about tonight. This was your pick, and you chose the. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I chose maybe the gayest horror movie of all time. Thank you. Nightmare on Elm Street 2. That's right. Freddy's, Freddy's Revenge. Revenge. <laughs> Who is he revenging? I don't know. Himself. I don't think the movie really knows. He's yeah. revenging himself, I think. You know, I, I picked this as counter-programming. Last week we did The Northmen. That's a very serious Ooh. movie. But at the same a time... A very non-homoerotic There's movie. some continuity well, because it's going from... I speak facetious. From <laughs> Dude's Rock movie to Dude's Rock movie in a different way. Um, this movie, uh, directed by Jack Shoulder, um, who directed one of my other favorite horror movies of the 80s, uh, The Hidden, mm, uh, starring Kyle MacLachlan in like a pre-Dale mm. uh, Cooper role, essentially. He's like a, a cop investigator in that movie. It was it pre-Blue um, Velvet? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Mm. It was right after Baby. this one, actually. Young Gun. But yeah, this movie uh, Young Gun. stars uh, Mark Patton... Some other people. Clue Gallagher uh, shows up as the dad. Great character. Yeah, great mm. uh, character actor. Been yes. in a lot of uh, fun 80s. He's probably my favorite actor in this movie. Yeah, like, he. King he, character. He really camps it up yeah. a lot of times. And Which fits they, the tone. they play up the, the physical comedy at times. Him bumping his head on stuff and. Getting attacked by an exploding parakeet. Yes. Yeah. So, in preparation for this movie, I did some uh, refreshing. I've seen this movie a few times, but uh, there's this great documentary. It's a very long documentary. It's about four hours long called Never Sleep Again. And it essentially goes through each one of the. You have to never sleep again to get through that whole documentary. Oh, got him. It goes through all of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. So, I believe there's. Nine, including the remake. Does uh, that include Freddy versus Jason? Too? Yes, yeah, okay. yeah. They go through, have talking heads for all of them. You know, kind of discuss the ins and outs of them, effects. You know how they were put together, all that stuff. Really cool documentary. It's a great you know one to put on in the background while you're working. Um, they they did one about the the Friday the Thirteenth series as well, oh, which neat. is actually longer. That one's like seven hours long. But 
I digress. There's more of those movies. Yeah. For this one, I I rewatched the section about Nightmare 2, um, which is what we're talking about Hey, here. we watched that movie for the podcast. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff about it. You know, after the success of the first one, they jumped on making a second one as quickly as possible. Wes Craven didn't really want to do a cash grab movie, so he kind of, you know, Distanced away. himself, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. They went ahead with uh, Mr. Shoulder and their uh, writer who they had on staff, you know, cutting commercials and trailers and stuff. And, uh, yeah, they put together this movie really quickly. Before this started, you had mentioned, or uh, last episode, you referred to this movie as, and I quote, um, unintentionally homoerotic. And watching this movie, now that I've come out of it the other side, I just just during, I, I, I was asking the whole time, how is this unintentional? This is one of the gayest movies I've ever so, seen. I mean, and I mean that like I'm, you know, like like earnestly, like it is very yeah, gay. Yeah, well, like, I should, I should, which is awesome, non derogatorily. Yes, non derogatorily. As a as a queer person myself, a little bit. Yes, um, because the the writer knew it was gay. It was a gay movie. Oh, okay. Uh, the director <laughs> did not. He just pulled it off on him. He, he pulled it pulled it over on him. I should. Jack Shoulder is a very, was a very like studio director guy, so he would just shoot whatever the, whatever the studio gave to him. Yeah, yeah. Without you know thinking twice about it, was not like a deep thinker guy looking into metaphor <laughs> and stuff. No, that's awesome. Um, so and the production designer of this movie was so, also openly gay and trying to insert as much of that as possible. Well, and Mark Phrasing. Patton, the lead actor, is also openly yeah, gay. Yeah, and really? uh, after uh, watching that section of Never Sleep Again, I actually saw on Letterboxd there's a documentary about Mark Patton. So I watched it. It's called uh, Scream Queen, which is, you know, kind of a play on words. Ooh. Um, but also in this movie, he's kind of a scream queen. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, he essentially plays the role of the final girl mm-hmm. in this movie, which is kind of unique, especially for its time. I was reading that this was the only uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movie to not like feature a female protagonist. Yeah. Yeah, and every scene ends with him screaming, just about. Yeah, and girlishly too, yeah. like yeah. <laughs> like very high pitched, like yeah. screaming like a girl kind of thing. Yeah, and non derogatory. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the documentary is on Shudder. It's pretty interesting. It it's kind of tragic his story. So he was uh, closeted at the time. Clearly, sure. you know, gay. Eighties, yeah. Um, and, uh, this movie came out around the time, you know, AIDS was kind of a big deal and, uh, studios were actually very kind of homophobic essentially. What? Yeah. Don't say. Well, and, uh, so this movie came out and his agent was like, I don't think I can get you any straight roles. People just think you're gay after Nightmare 2 came out. And so he wasn't able to get roles for a while, and he unfortunately got AIDS. Um, He was able to... He's still alive today. He's able to live with it. And like it, like it, Magic Johnson, he got it like right as the cocktail was coming out, essentially. Okay. So he can he he's still alive today, but it essentially ruined his chances of becoming a 
sort of movie star after this, which is too bad. I mean, yes. he's he's not great in this movie. He's no. really not. I I while we were watching this, I remember saying that like he looked like a uh, like dime store uh, Michael J. Fox, but I was reading after the movie that apparently Michael J. Fox was their first pick for this character in the movie, <laughs> but uh, he had scheduling conflicts because of Teen Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. That's awesome. And honestly, like, good for Michael J. Fox. I think he kind of dodged a bullet. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the, the female lead, too, we were talking about how she looks like uh, Dime Store Meryl Streep, and apparently that's why they hired her, because yeah. she looked like Meryl no they, shit. they mentioned that in the documentary. They were like, yeah, she had some good acting chops, but we mostly picked her because she looked like Meryl Streep. Oh, my God. Well, this is her first. I did see that this was her, her first uh, role in mm-hmm. anything. Yeah. She had other roles after this, but. Not much. Not much. <laughs> I think the only thing that I've seen her in is Hellraiser 4 and then an episode of Seinfeld. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's funny when you're in such campy movies where, like, this one was critically panned when it came out. But, you know, uh, some, like, gay journalist uh, publications picked it up as kind of like a a gay icon movie because they picked up on like you the, know, the, the themes and stuff. <laughs> I could certainly see um, why. So yeah. it quickly became a cult movie, but um, at the time, you know, it, it almost has kind of a Troll 2 effect. Mm. You know, Troll 2 had that documentary about it, talking about how none of the actors in that movie could get work after Troll 2 came out, because mm-hmm. it's like... It's Troll 2. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's something similar, I feel like, with both of the actors in this movie. Apparently this film ended up saving New Line Cinema because when this went into production, they were like on the verge of bankruptcy, but it was successful enough that they were able to keep the studio open mm-hmm. and to keep the IP going Yeah, for, for all the... Yeah, the, despite being critically panned, it did pretty well in the box office. It would! You know, like, that's that's the fun thing about it. Like, it's a... It's a pulpy horror sequel. It's, it's fun. It is kind of a shame because it is not a very good movie. In most regards. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I, I, I like it, I too. like it, too, let's, but I don't think it's a very good movie. Let's get into that. Yeah, sure. Let's, let's dig into that for a second. I, I, do, I do have more questions, and I want to dig on that. But first off, um, thank you for that explanation and breakdown, because it brings a lot of context because the whole time I was watching the film, like, like I knew that there was intent somewhere, right? Like there's no fucking way. And so it makes sense. Okay. The director might not have been aware, but the writer definitely was. Yeah. And and the production designer with some of the stuff going on. That makes so much more sense. Now, from what I understand, what's interesting is, okay. So yeah, so all the themes were intentional. So like, there's no real sense in like, reading into like what it could mean it's just what it meant in that case but we can still do that like that's fine there's Um, some things about the theme that i I do want to dig into with that because like the the writer for example you know his argument is actually he said at one point that he wasn't trying to make the most homoerotic horror movie of all time he was trying to make the most homophobic 
horror movie of all time. I see why. I, I, and I can totally I, I, I got thoughts on that. how this movie ends. Yes. yes. And I can, I can see how you could read it in either way, but I think the reading of the movie in either way is really interesting. Yes. And I, well, I, I have both, a lot of well, like, what, about what is, both fronts. What was his intention there trying to make the most homophobic horror Like, was he a homophobe and was trying to make, like, anti-gay propaganda? Or is he, like, trying to make a point about something? Or was he trying to, like, talk about homophobia? About, yeah, like, about... Right, which is yeah. very different, yeah. Um, no, well, see, what's what's really neat to me about that whole situation is, honestly, it makes a lot of sense, and it seems like a logical progression for these movies, because the first one, um, which I only just watched, like, yesterday, or two days ago, um, uh, for the first time, fucking awesome, just a little Classic. tidbit. We right. throw that out there, because, like, I wasn't on that episode yeah. or whatever, but um, a new favorite, obviously, it's a masterpiece, things everybody already knows, yeah. but holy shit, the fucking practicals. It's like, so yeah. that's what this franchise is about. Like, you see the first one, it's like, okay, the practicals, like, this is this is what's so cool about it. Um, you know, coming through the wallpaper, like, gooey carpet, you know, like, there's so many, like, fun, like, practical sequences getting blended in the bed to do... The dream sequences with tangible props is so neat, you know, and like mm-hmm. at the time that was really the only option and like that carried all the way up. And then I also watched new my nightmare right afterwards because I wanted I wanted more nightmare on Elm Street after watching the first one. But like, you know, I wanted to save it for watching with you guys. So I waited. Well, um, you've officially seen the the same ones that I have now. Wow. Because I think on our it was either like our fifth or sixth episode of the podcast very, very early on. Um, we covered the original Nightmare on Elm Street, New Nightmare, and the 2000s remake. remake. And so until tonight, those three were the only ones that I mm-hmm. had ever seen. And now I've seen two. Well, you know, so. now that I've seen the original, because I, I, I saw the, the remake in theaters years ago. Yeah, me too. And I think we might have gone to see it together we might with have. a group of friends. Yeah, I think we did. Um, it's very possible. We did that a lot. Um, uh, we had to drive down to Gulf Shores because that theater down there was the only one that didn't uh, ID people for ID teenagers <laughs> for R-rated movies. Right, yeah. yeah, so we could sneak in. That's mm-hmm. great. Well, oh, they would just man. let us in. Yeah. Right, yeah. Didn't have to sneak. Um, yeah, so now I understand like even more like why the, the remake is a travesty because mm-hmm. it's – it's all CG and like the the tangible like aspects of it, the yeah. kooky it, practicals or what's not. Also, it's self serious. It took me seeing the original to realize why the remake was bad as well. Yeah. yeah. Also, just the, aside from being a teenager and having bad taste. Um, yeah, I mean, with the remake, the biggest insult is it just being uninspired you have this whole dream world to play with and yeah. all the kills are stabbings yeah. and it's and it is and like, it's like totally devoid of like camp it's so dreary yeah and serious mm. and like i think jackie earl haley does a good job for like what the he's got a great voice what the intended goal of the character is but at the same time it's like that Freddy Krueger is so antithetical to Robert England's Freddy Krueger mm-hmm. that, like, that's hard to reconcile. Absolutely. Well, it's like, you know, when you when you first see something like that, first of all, we, we didn't have taste because we, we were children. Right. But uh, <laughs> on top of big that. Big part of it. Yeah, big part of it. But even still, like, there, there is something about, like, I mean, you know, context is important. If, if you've only had a dry New York strip 
like at a diner and you've never had like a really good steak like you're you can't you don't know what you're missing yeah you don't know what you're missing it's like yeah this is pretty good steak is good we like steak right and then and then you have like a 75 or 45 or whatever the the prime optimal dry aged whatever cut is you know at like a really fancy steakhouse and it's like oh no wait this is steak like Like, yeah this is okay this this is is good um and uh yeah that was that was definitely watching on the original for me and so that, that's really all I have. To, I, I could I could go on, but I mean that that film it's neat because it it start it jump started the careers for you know Johnny Depp of all people and mm-hmm. uh, the rest. Uh, but you know here yeah it's kind of interesting how like it actually kind of killed the careers of of these actors mm-hmm. um, instead, which is fascinating. Cause it's the same IP or really prevented their careers from ever being able to take off in a meaningful way. Sure, sure. Yeah, but like all of these these people like had careers they've been in things but mm. it didn't make movie stars out of any of these people right to go back to my my original uh a uh, little bit from what i understand originally freddie was going to be a pederast like in the original script for nightmare on elm street and then they changed it to just a child murderer do y'all know that I think yeah, I I remember hearing something about yeah, that. Yeah, but I I feel like the the pederasty is implied. Yes, in, in well, very much so. Series. Well, see, that's that's the thing. Like, like, well, I I agree, and if anything, too, I think that that's the right way to do it. Yeah, like you don't need to outright say that Freddy diddles kids. Like, if anything, that's that's bad form and uh, skeezy, and and it, it also takes away like people's ability to like dress up as freddy on halloween and shit you know like you can't you you, you mean you still people still will but like not the same way you can't like you celebrate can't, freddy you can't sell lunch boxes that have a, a child rapist no yeah <laughs> you just can't well, you just can't do that but like, like if a, he's just like a murderer a kooky, a kooky slasher villain who kills teenagers you know yeah like the, folks love that yeah the, the fact that it's implied really colors all of the films in a lot of ways mm-hmm. though like some of the tension with he- Heather Lodge and Camp in the original is because it feels kind of pervy you know when Freddy totally. Krueger is around yeah, and absolutely. it kind of informs kind of the homoeroticism in this movie yep. you know I, I think a great example of that is so the, the premise of this movie we should say really quickly sure. is uh, Mark Patton um, his character is kind of almost sort of being possessed by Freddy Krueger. He and his family have moved into Nancy's house on Elm Street from the first one. And so then Jesse, is that the character's name? Yeah. Jesse? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, is He starts having nightmares and then starts getting like possessed by Freddy Krueger who uses him to kill people. Um, that's one of the like many kind of rules that this film breaks. Like I saw that Wes Craven doesn't really like this movie because he feels like they made a mockery of like his his character and his universe because they break so many of the rules. Uh, yeah, I want to I want to dig into that a little bit more later because especially like the pool sequence yeah, is sure. kind of a drastic departure. Personally, I think it works um, because of the the overarching premise of you know Freddy kind of invading the real world through a vessel. Mm. Um, but the yes. the scene where Freddy is face-to-face with Jesse and, like, caressing his face is very homoerotic. Totally. Um, well, I mean... On the staircase, yeah. Unsubtly, like, in this movie, Freddy is basically just, like, 
the ghost of gay thoughts like trying <laughs> like <laughs> the ghost of queerness past <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no the ghost of queerness future, future. <laughs> the ghost of queerness yet to come exactly it's funny in uh, one of the documentaries uh robert england was talking about how in that scene he was originally going <laughs> to stick one of the 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 knives in Jesse's mouth, urethra, oh mouth, and, yeah, of course. Uh, the makeup designer was like, "You can't do that. That's too gay." <laughs> <laughs> the gay makeup designer, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. No, I, 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 there's another point uh, about the the final sequence there. I really like that. I, your point about how he's using Jesse as a vessel, so like he can kind of like enter the real realm as opposed to the dream realm. But uh, also on the bus at the end during that dream sequence, there is a bit where one of the girls says, hey, that party was really great last night, which is cool. And it's another like way where they, they kind of still hold the tenets of like blurring the, the line between dreams and reality. And I think that the first movie did a phenomenal job with that. And while this movie is a lot sloppier about it, um, I don't think it fucks anything up. Like, I think that, yeah, you well, can say like he used him as a vessel and that's fine. I mean, I think that's I think that's the big thing about it is that in the original Freddy only has power in the dream realm. And like, that's what, you know, makes it insidious is because you can hide from him when you're awake, but you can't stay awake forever or yeah. you'll die. Like you have to sleep at some point. So no Matt, like he doesn't need to, he doesn't need to be able to interact with the real world because no matter what, eventually you'll come to him. Right. And this movie it kind of takes that like, power away from him actually yeah, by giving him more power. Yeah, that makes it's sense. It's like none of the kills in this movie really happen in dreams. It's all, it's all when Jesse falls asleep freddy krueger possesses him and then is able to interact with the real world but all of the kills happen in the waking world you know when it comes to the mechanics of fear you are totally right and like you know it's a good way to look at it it's as dumb but freddy's a shark all right right yeah he's a, he's a dream shark like like stay out of the water stay out of the dreams you yeah. know like like as soon as you go into the water that's where jaws or freddy can get you you know like no that's that's a except that's a it, really solid point except if you could never avoid being out of the water, water. forever yeah. you know yeah and it's like I guess, I guess this movie is trying to be like oh shit the dam burst now jaws could be anywhere but like it i, I don't think it te- it telegraphs that very well like yeah. I think that that's I think the the big breaking point. Like if they'd made yeah. it just a little bit more like well, because you go into it expecting the same rules of the original, but then there's like then it doesn't stick to those rules, and you're like, okay, wait, so is this supposed to be a dream or is this real life? Oh wait, I guess it's real life. It's like when Freddie like makes him sleepwalk or whatever to like the gay bar, and his gym teacher finds him there. The and, S&M like, gay bar. The S&M gay bar and his gym. The gay teacher bar looks rad. There. I'm just saying. And his gym teacher like punishes him for trying to have buy a beer underage by taking him back to the school in the middle Late of the night, night and making him run laps around and the basketball shower. court and then making him go shower and it's like all of this is like is like is this a dream but then no it's not <laughs> but kind of but kind of but no it all happened in real life because 
after the gym teacher gets killed, then uh, Jesse wakes up and he's like naked in the shower and he has like the Freddy Krueger glove. Yeah. And he's awake. So that means that when Freddy possesses him, Freddy still has his dream powers, but just in the real world because the gym teacher gets killed by uh, a bunch of balls flying at him uh, and then getting real dragged, ball slapping action and then dragged into the shower by a couple of jump ropes and then a uh, uh, phantom towel. Uh, Starts whipping his ass. Whips his bare ass until he dies. <laughs> probably yeah. the gayest shot of the movie. Yeah, probably. Well, like I get the the homophobia remark, like by the by the writer to some capacity here, because like what's what's always like the biggest uh, or one of the biggest hurdles like in the way of individual like gay rights and stuff like that, right? Like it's it's that they try and pull the pederasty card. And like you, you see that in this movie and in, yeah. in, in you know like again and again. They're fucking trying that shit but, now. Yeah. yeah, again, again. I th- Calling I th- gay people and trans people groomers and shit. Yeah, like, it's vile. I think one of the biggest examples of why you know you could read it as homophobic is Freddie is essentially a metaphor for gayness for his homosexuality yeah. trying and, to trying to and come he out overcomes and that rep- he got his repressed sexuality know, going for the the girl at yeah. the end yeah i mean freddie is defeated at the end by his his girlfriend's like true love by like a heterosexual kiss like that's what defeats freddie or does it <laughs> well because Freddy should, For, can't and shouldn't be yeah. defeated. But, uh, yeah. But it's like, yeah, it's, <laughs> I, I was thinking that, too. It's like the, whole time, the whole time is like, yeah. is like, why? Like, this, this is gay as shit, but, like, negatively? Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, Freddy is just, like, his, his homosexuality trying to, like, break out. Trying well, to uh, well, trying to well, take so him, what, what I read it as him over. is is it's like is Freddie isn't just like his homosexuality. Freddie is the result is like the cyst that like the tumor that grows like From out of him repressing his, it. His and so it's like okay, well if if it won't come out this way, it comes out with blood, and I have to kill because like I can't be gay. But then having heterosexuality triumph at the end, like what kind of message? Does well, it, that does, it doesn't triumph because he goes off on the bus and Freddy still wins. So like it's fine. Oh uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, just like how Freddy won in the last movie. That's what happens, right? Like Freddy wins. Like the movie, the movie does not end with the triumph. It ends. The, another scene happens before that where then he's back on the bus. So like Freddie wins, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's yeah. not, it's not ambiguous. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> this is just, which is rad. Like I, I, I like that about these movies. Freddie should win. It's more fun because let's be real. We're all rooting for Freddie. Like that's we we want. We're here to see the kills. It's that kind of movie. Yeah, and once again, Robert England, of course, steals the show. He's killer. Yeah, yet again. Uh, There's not enough of him in this movie, though. Freddie does get get some good one liners in here and there, which is fun. Uh, I love again the sequence when he's confronting Jesse and he rips his uh, head off and you see his exposed brain. Oh yeah, that's really cool. You're the body, I'm the mind. Yeah, that's where all the gay pinky in the brain. <laughs> yeah, that was uh-huh. that was really fun. My friend Yawns, I think I heard, first heard him say this. I can't remember if he coined it or not, but it's uh, instead of slapstick, it's splatstick. 
And I really like that. And I think it, it summarizes these films uh, very well. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, it's using gore for comedy uh, in a fun way. And I, I appreciate it. Well, and another great example is the pool scene. When they were shooting the pool scene, I think everyone on set, according to the documentary, realized that it's nonsense, essentially. Yeah, totally. And uh, that line that Freddie says, you are all my children now, he came up with that on the spot. And I think... Good for him. That's, it's like the best line in the movie. Well, and that's the thing. That's one of the lines that I think saves that whole scene because yeah. it kind of informs the rest of it. And it almost works because of it. Yeah. Almost. Keyword, <laughs> almost. Uh, yeah, that that whole sequence is ridiculous. You know what really works for me in this movie? Freddy's makeup. Interesting. I, I like his makeup in this, and I liked it a lot more than uh, New Nightmare. I like New Nightmares, but for the wrong reasons. New Nightmare is very clearly a bodysuit. Like, they took extra steps to make Freddy, like, feel, like, larger than life in that film. Um, and I, I think to the degree where you can really tell that it's, like, like a rubber suit and you lose a lot of the, the emotion in his face. And also, he kind of looks like a Super Sentai. Like, like it's, well, got, it's got some almost anime vibes. Yeah, well, Robert England is older at that point. They need you know, to, making yeah. that yeah. movie. And it looks great. Uh, the, like, I, I, I love the big suit in New Nightmare, but I think that, like, the fleshiness of this one is more fun and i think it's more iconic well that's Freddy. what's interesting they talk about this kind of at length in the documentary that uh they didn't have the same uh makeup effects person yeah, to create freddie in this one as the first one and because they made it so quickly after the first they didn't really get a bunch of reference photos or anything so he kind of just had to make it based on what he had you know yeah and so close it, enough it looks a little different than the first one it one of the different biggest, but it doesn't look bad to one me. of the biggest things is he has brown eyes instead of you know the trademark green eyes of the first one and oh, yeah and this one he has got like reddish like gold eyes yeah These very mm -hmm. demony eyes yeah like um that. and after this, they go back to the the green eyes yeah. and the this, more classic. Yeah, the, the the movies after this, he goes back to kind of the look of the first one. But I do agree, this one looks pretty good. It looks different than the rest of them. It does look different. It doesn't look bad by any means. It looks imposing, especially because he's shot in darkness quite a bit. Uh, they do a good job concealing some of the. The makeup details a lot of mm -hmm. times. But you still see Freddy like way more, I think in both the original and this one, than you would see your standard killers in most movies from this era. Yes. And on um, like so many of these types of films, like wait to show the monster or the killer until like the very end and keep things in suspense. And with both like the first one and this one, like you get Freddy front and center very early on. Like you see all of him. Mm -hmm. And uh, generally for the sake of tension or for horror I, I i tend to lean more towards like being careful with your monster and showing pieces of it at a time like in predator but here like it, it, because of the campy format it works really well like freddy is a freddy is is less of a like he's a monster he's equal parts monster and also character and that's part of the fun of the film and so it, it works it works fine so I, it worked great actually i love, I love I, like how much we see freddy i feel like there's so little of him in this movie like, I, I read that he was only... In well, like, it's just they show him early is what I mean. I mean, yeah, they show him early for sure. But, like, 
He's only on screen for something like 13 minutes of the nearly 90 minute runtime. And it feels like it's like every time he shows up, it's like so briefly, he has like maybe one line and then it's on to something else. Mm -hmm. Like, I do feel like they, uh, I feel like they could have used him a little bit more, especially because like it's the sequel. We've already seen him. We know what he looks like. Give us more Freddy. There's something lost in um, having Freddy possess someone to kill people as opposed yeah. to just freddy yeah. killing people which i think is just more fun like like give me give me freddy just like murdering folks also because like you have to now divide because of the first film it, it divides really nicely between like freddy killing people with his claw and just killing people with like wacky dream contraptions and right. events the bed blending you know like stuff and other things like that like there's or the hang in the in the prison like there's mm -hmm. there's uh, so many ways that he can kill people in their dreams yeah and like he's not limited to his claw his claw is just part of his iconic deal and he uses it from time to time but it's not all he needs and uh here pretty much every kill is with the claw I think there might be some exceptions, but like it's just not as creative in that respect. The practicals are still creative and fun. Like, don't get me wrong, but when it comes to the kills themselves, yeah. I, I think yeah. I think this film uh, is a little lacking compared to the, the original. But yeah, only little, not a big deal. Well, that's the thing. Like the stuff surrounding that is still great. Yes. Like I, the introductory sequence with the bus driving off road <laughs> into like a fault line <laughs> and just so good hanging off a little. <laughs> Yeah, being balanced on, like, a tiny little, like, piece of rock that's so fucking ridiculous. It's great, and the practical effect on that is super fun. Yeah. The model. Yeah. The miniature, yeah. Well, I love the, how they look over each side of the bus, and, like, the ground is falling through, and the way that they light the bus with, like, the red smoke looks so good. I can, mm -hmm. it's just so, like, the, this movie is just, like, it really falls so well in line with like other iconic eighties films for those like red and blue lights. I, I got it. I love that shit, man. Red, red and blue lights and smoke is like really, and some, some synthy music to go along with it. And like, I'm, I'm fucking, I'm there, man. Like I'm, I'm easy to please. Oh, that's not actually, that brings up a point. Sorry. Uh, but the soundtrack, I'm sorry. I just, I just thought about this. Mostly classical scoring. Like, where was the synthy stuff? Like, the original, like, the first one has, like, all the, it, it sounds like Casio presets. Like, it's all, like, you know, and they're running through the, the industrial, like, horrorscape. Mm -hmm. But here, there wasn't as much of the synth. Yeah, I was missing I mean, that. The music, for the most part in this movie, doesn't feel particularly memorable. Yeah, it's just orchestral. We just watched you know? it, and I could not even hum a single piece of music. Well, yeah, the, the only score. two things about it is, like, you, we get the iconic one, two, Freddy's coming for you right, at of one course. point. Yeah. yeah, And we get some fake-sounding... Uh, Boombox jams at the oh, party. Yeah, there's a there's the, a handful. The film. There's a handful of times where like somebody's listening to music. And it's obviously like fake songs that they wrote Don't for the movie. Bringing my heart it, down. My heart <laughs> is in around town. What it, what it reminds me of is like you know the mid, is like the mid '80s version of like the sex scene music during the room. Yeah. You know, like all of those like fucking weird fake songs that, that well, Tommy Wiseau got for What's the girl's name? Lisa. Lisa. Damn. Tearing right. me apart, Lisa. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. But yeah, there's so there's so many of those in this movie where it's like 
it's like this isn't a real song this <laughs> it's like it's almost a real song That's but it. like it's just but it's just off enough I, that it's like this is it i kind of <laughs> like that because it's blurring the lines between dreams and reality like is this song <laughs> fake what's going on this is a dream song right yeah. and it, it it fits with so much of the dialogue in this movie and the sequences like i don't know how many times while we were watching this i said like that's not how people talk. There's so many times, like like right off the bat, like when he wakes up absolutely yowling just and screaming. just screaming at the top of his lungs. And it cuts to the fam, the nuclear family downstairs, mom, dad, and, and uh, little, little sister. sister and, and, and the little, what, what, how does it go? The little, the little sister says, Mom, why can't Jesse wake up like a normal person? Yeah, he's screaming. <laughs> because well, and we see it multiple times. Like he's constantly yeah. screaming and himself away. Later in the movie, he does the same thing where yeah, he screams himself awake, like you say. And his parents run in like something's really must be really wrong because he's which is the normal reaction. Right. So why does the movie? Sh- what that doesn't make sense like i don't like like it's i guess they're doing a bit but like it, it, the bit doesn't how's what? how's this for game theory oh god the entire movie is a dream we never experience the real world it's, in this movie it, it sounds once. like it sounds like that's what Wes that, craven would prefer and that way and that way it's not actually breaking any of the rules because the entirety oh. of the film takes place within a dream whose dream? dream that's uncertain dream. <laughs> But it's it's dream, but it's somebody's dream. 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 <laughs> oh man! Well, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. Man, the uh, the production <laughs> design in this movie they they sneak in so many uh, gay jokes and weird jokes throughout. They don't even sneak in. It's yeah, like, the, it's, you can't. You can't even call it subtext in this movie. Like he it's has just, a, it's just he has text. a game called Probe in his closet. <laughs> it's yeah. There's so much. Of my that. my favorite is uh, at the breakfast scene. They have the the little girl has uh, a box of cereal called a uh, Fu Man Chews. C H E W S Chews. Yeah. yeah, with uh, Fu Man fingers in it. Yeah, which she puts on and they look like little plastic yeah. Freddy Krueger awesome. gloves. God damn. This, this fucking, fucking movie. movie. <laughs> this fucking movie. <laughs> I want to talk about uh, Jesse's relationship with Grady. Yeah. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. One of, which is one of the more confusing things in the movie. That because, was the moment. Because Grady is like simultaneously bully and boyfriend <laughs> well he's okay so i, I sexual tension about yeah it definitely abounds yeah his introduction is during the big field day event where they're all playing all sorts of reindeer i don't games. think it's a field day event i think it's just i think it's just gym class yeah it's like softball damn they go all out games. yeah yeah they've got it all they had they had archery in the middle of the field where anyone could get shot <laughs> at any time they had uh yeah and all the other sports uh that was they're playing the, weird the, observation. Uh, the gay version of baseball softball that's true right softballs uh well i mean yeah that that's the introduction to that fucking grady character is he and jesse get in a fight which starts 
by him like pulling Jesse's pants down while they're ripping so them is, off. Well, so his ass is just he out. He rips them down. He's, yeah, he's doing a pickle between the bases, running back and forth, right. and then he slides headfirst into Grady's crotch. Yeah, yeah, and then they get in a fight. And, they they uh, get in a tussle, and the they're starting to rip like, each other's yeah, clothes rip off. His yeah. pants off. <laughs> yeah, so his ass is it gets real hot, real heated. Um, and yeah. then the, the coach to punish them makes them plank. Yeah, and then they bond. <laughs> And then they're friends. Kind of. Kind of. But there, there's, there's still some toxicity between them, but they do bond there. Well, yeah, because Grady puts the snake on him when he's asleep in in uh, biology class later. Yeah. But he gives him the middle finger and they laugh about it. They're pranking each other. They're bros. Yeah. It's confusing because it seems like Grady is bullying him, but they're well, also like... It's a, it's a toxic stew of emotions, you see. They're... There's just so much to unpack. It's unclear what. Speaking of unpacking, there's also the opening shot, like right after he wakes up screaming, and he's all like, uh, he's all sweaty. Where he gets out of bed, he's in his tidy whities, and he like just we just get a full shot of him like reaching in there and like adjusting yeah, he, his like, crotch. Reaches, he like reaches into his underwear. And, like, <laughs> that was adjusts. weird. Yeah, he's like flopping around, <laughs> yeah. like like it's full on, and it's 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 weird. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. I got. I. I uh, well, I think. Yeah. But to not, because I, I don't want to leave Grady behind, because like the epitome of like the weirdness of their relationship. Oh, there's much more to say about Grady. Is like during the, uh, you know, Lisa has a party or whatever, and she and Jesse are like making out in like the cabana in like the pool house, and it's getting like real hot and heavy he's like uh you know kissing between her boobies and whatnot yeah he, really a lot of emphasis on between the boobs not right, a lot of yeah. attention to the boobs well and then uh so uh well freddie starts to possess him and like a, a big long tongue a big long nasty prosthetic tongue like comes out of his mouth and he gets scared and runs away directly to Grady's house who he goes into his room while he's sleeping and like jumps into bed with him it was like it's like I'm scared <laughs> something's inside of me something's inside of me <laughs> it's like <laughs> there's a spider inside me well and uh Grady has uh, the the great line <laughs> and uh so you want to sleep with me after yeah. he says uh yeah. you know there's something inside of me Yeah and and also again too like the acting is not great so it really just helps emphasize the gay porno vibes Yeah like the camp well, the camp Grady, is elevated Grady like has a, like all of these posters in his room that are like various hair metal like fake hair metal bands yeah and like david bowie and like yeah. kate bush glam shit yeah like like very androgynous glam shit and it's just yeah. like plastered all over his room and it's like does subtlety exist at all right and in the same breath I was primed that this was accidental, Gatus, and I'm like, there's no way. Yeah, like, I was so confused. So I'm so glad you you started by explaining it, because, again, during the well, whole I mean, movie, I'm seeing like shit it. like this, and I'm like, this was this was by design. Well, ultimately, it sounds like the joke was on the director. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know that they had to have been, like, laughing behind his back, they right? Like, just yeah. been like, oh, my God, I can't believe he doesn't realize what's going on. Like, like we, we totally thought he'd, like, he'd get it after the pants ripping, but we're still, we're still, like, uh, you're still getting away with it. <laughs> Oh my god, like yeah. We put, we put this many glam metal posters up and he still doesn't get yeah. it. 
<laughs> but I just well, it's, it's the Top Gun effect, right? Like, if you're like a manly dude, you just see it as a manly dude about dudes rock. Right, and if you're things, not, yeah. it's super homoerotic. Like, well, it's, it's also like uh, like a lot of issues of like Batman and the Joker in the same way, too. You know, like they're like wrestling and shit. And it's like it's just superhero comics in general. It's like this is this shit's really gay. <laughs> you know, like, again, non-derogatorily. I mean, like earnestly homoerotic. Yeah, it just, and, it uh, just is. Yeah. And it's like but but if you're not seeing it, you just see men being men, you know, and like you just don't even take it in. Well, Which is so funny, funny. It's like that that sort of like false idea of like masculinity and like men being men is like people who really stand behind that try to point to like the Romans and like the Greeks as like the manliest is like gay shit. These are like the gayest people yeah, dude. on the planet. <laughs> yeah, dog, look out. Like a huge yeah. a huge part yeah. of like their their militia was built around like their men like being encouraged to sleep with each other so that like when the other one died they would like go all out in combat for yeah. revenge. Like also to like keep them from like more pining for to, their wives yeah, back home. More yeah. likely to protect your boyfriend in battle. Right. You know? If, like, you, yeah. uh, if you've been up in that ass. Manly men being manly men with each other. Well, one key aspect of it in this movie is having Jesse as the main character in, like we said, the sort of final girl role. Right. Where, like, traditionally in slasher movies, the final girl is kind of maybe more of a masculine girl traditionally. Or if not masculine, at least like virginal. Yes. Right. Yes. Not not the not the skank. Yes. And so to reinterpret that She's a as girl. as a dude, that kind of recontextualizes things in a lot of interesting ways with this movie. One of the other things I wanted to talk about is kind yes, of sir. that that final sequence at the steel mill. That that set piece is so great. Yeah, that exposition shot of of the weird industrial machinery. Like yeah. it doesn't look like a steel mill. I don't know what. It looks like sci-fi machinery. Like, I mean, sci-fi movies have you know like tend to shoot mm-hmm. in like industrial places because of that. But well, it's it's it looks like something over out of, like, the top to the point of like being dreamlike, yeah. which makes it work right. Um, and uh, they have some interesting animal effects in that sequence yeah the the dogs with like baby faces mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and then the the weird. the cat or the rat that's eaten by a cat and it's like they, they they do like a it's just a regular rat and then there's a super jump close-up of a puppet evil rat face and then a cat a regular cat springs on to grab it and then there's a super close-up of a fuck up fucked up puppet cat face and it's really fun so what's interesting is like that insertion of Freddy living near the steel mill, like kind of recontextualizes some stuff from the first movie um, that in the moment I liked the story building of that. But outside of it, I kind of kind of don't because what's what was really fun in the first one is I always felt like the industrial stuff was like somehow in like a dreamscapey way inside of the janitor's closet. I know that doesn't make any sense, but it's like, or like the places that the, the janitor would be, you know, the boiler rooms, places mm-hmm. like that, like the basement of the house sort of becomes almost like a, like a, like an industrial boiler room place. There's that big furnace and it feels like a, um, you know, how places get bigger in your dreams. And it's that same idea of like, he, he's sort of invading through like the bowels of these, like the industrial sections of these faci- of facilities. And, and instead, it's like 
the real guy just lived by the steel mill and that's why and it, it's not the same to me I, I don't know i don't hate it though like i i do think it's kind of neat it's like oh it's a little bit more contextualization for his character we're learning a little bit more about freddy but yeah i don't know if it's necessary yeah i mean it's cool though and in, in this the, the yeah right? just having that set piece alone made it worth it like i i agree to an extent that like it works a bit more in the dream world rather than the real world, but if you're playing with the real world already, it's like, eh, might as well. Yep. It's all the dream world. Yep. None of it's real. I, I think that that set piece is cool and, like, the weird little animal monsters they do is cool. I don't like that she just defeats Freddy and gets Jesse back just by, like, kissing him and being like, I love you. And then kissing him sets freddy on fire and then jesse comes out of the the burned shell of freddy he has he has uh shed his uh sinful homosexual skin uh and emerged pure and heterosexual from beneath (laughs) heterosexual butterfly yeah exactly incredible well it's fun because like freddy emerges from him and so he emerges back from yeah the the pool party is like uh is like his coming out you know yeah like uh he he can't fight the gayness any longer so he uh he comes out to the whole school he's here he's queer get used to it he's here he's queer he kills some people yep and uh, then uh, what a wa- walks into a, a doorway made of fire and disappears. Yeah. I love <laughs> that, too. Yeah. We should talk about Freddy's sort of coming out. So the transformation scene. That's the cool. It's so good. That's the coolest part of the movie. Yeah. yeah. For sure. That effect is incredible. Well, it's very uh, American werewolf in London. Reminiscent yeah. of that change, especially with the the claws coming out not, of his hand. Not of the same quality. Sure. But yes, they do have a very similar vibe. Yeah, there's nothing like the hair. In I, I love I the shot where you're looking in Jesse's mouth and you see the eye, the eye looking oh, around. So yeah. It, well, it's fun too because like the you've got like Freddy's face like coming through his stomach, mm-hmm. um, and it's a very similar uh, shot to Freddy coming through the wallpaper in the original one. Yeah. It's like the rubbery wall as mm-hmm. he's coming out, and so like they do the same thing, but now it's Flash, which is fun. I I really yeah. like that. It was dope. Yeah that that scene was was definitely uh, one of the big like horror highlights. Mm-hmm. Um, I, did, I did like that whenever Freddy was like coming up on emerging, he, you know, it was always like, "Ooh, I'm gonna take a shit." Oh no, he's like, he's, like, he's, like, he's oh, coming no, out. He's oh, coming it's out. Freddy! Oh no, there's, oh, no. A, there's a man inside of me. Oh, he's coming out. Yeah. <laughs> and I become the night, the passionate, passionate night man. <laughs> <laughs> Freddy is just the nightman, isn't he? Yeah, where's Dayman? Uh, well, is we Jesse is Jesse the Dayman because he Woo! successfully fights and conquers the nightman? Well, no, I guess that's more uh, Lisa. But she's a woman. Jesse be- does yeah. become the master of friendship. 
That's but by the end. But not karate. For everyone. So. Yeah. I apologize to our non-Always Sunny listeners. They're probably very... You're uh, missing out. Yeah. My fucking brain is poisoned by Always Sunny. <laughs> yeah, big same. It's like I'm always <laughs> thinking about it. <laughs> I'm okay with that. It's a damn fine show. Anyway, is there anything else? Did, I think we hit everything. I don't think so. Well, I think we did hit the exploding parakeet, right? Yeah. The exploding parakeet, but we we didn't hit maybe the most important scene of all is uh, when he's uh, unpacking his room because his dad oh the dance that. sequence the dance sequence I do have a little How context on that? that so this came out like right after risky business so they were like we want a risky business scene. <laughs> <laughs> and Mark Patton is like, but I can't dance. It. I must spat on my white claw. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit, that's funny as hell. That is uh, one of the uh, very much like <laughs> gay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was like, like uh, leading up to that scene, where a number of sequences where I was saying like, real people don't do this, <laughs> and then that scene happens, and I was about to say it, and then I was like. <laughs> No, I've definitely done that. He like, does like the booty bounce on it. Oh yeah, yeah. He, yeah, bump he, it in. he closes. He closes one of his drawers by like <laughs> bumping his ass into it. He'll never done times. that. Um, not so sensually. No, <laughs> like if out. my hands are full and I have to close a door, like yeah. sure I'll bump it with my hip, but yeah. not like pull theater not into like, it. Not like backing that ass up on the on the drawer. It's pretty know? fun. Well, he has yeah. the little paddle cup toy thing. It's, it's one of those. It's one of those little cork guns. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're, and he gets on the bed and he's like kneeling. He's like holding it in front of his crotch. <laughs> and like his parents come in, like right as he like fires. Well, it's, the it's little, his mom and out. his and Lisa. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. His mom and Lisa because Lisa in. came over. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, and it's got I. It's got one of those like fake almost songs playing that I can't remember the. You're the heart of my life, my life, my heart. Yeah, it's something. It's something Ooh, about like dancing to, in the night again. Well, it's gayer though because it's something that's it's like talking, a house talking about like like wanting like wanting to like touch you and like be inside you and shit like that. Yeah. Like it's uh, it's like yeah. a disco song. It's yeah. great. I, I was reading apparently that that scene uh, became a big hit in uh, in gay clubs after this movie came out. I, I wonder I why. why. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Yeah, that that scene. People do that dance now, essentially, <laughs> like just because it's so goofy. That's oh yeah, him like straightening his hat at the beginning, getting ready, putting the weird sunglasses on. He puts on multiple pairs of sunglasses during <laughs> yeah. that during that scene because he's he's unpacking, and yeah, I guess he has forgotten that he has these things. Well, it's so. his, well, it's it's he's literally unpacking baggage. That's right. Yeah, it's metaphoric. He's unpacking his uh, his homosexual urges. Yeah, as you should. It's healthy. But by, uh, uh, jerking off. Yeah. Well, by the end, he shoves that shit right back in the closet. <laughs> he does. He crams it all Quite back. Literally. in. Crams it, crams it all back in there, and is uh, and tries to pretend that he's straight again until Freddie hijacks the bus and drives it off a cliff or whatever. <laughs> The end. The end. <laughs> and that sure was Nightmare on Elm Street 2, <laughs> Freddy's Revenge. We did it! Good job, boys. Uh, well, Ben, why don't you start us uh, with a rating? Since sure. This is pick. You know, I have a soft spot in my heart for all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. They are just 
so much fun. This movie, I think, is kind of a camp classic, too. I I think kind of the story of the director not being in on it makes it so much funnier, <laughs> too. Um, it, it's a very gay movie, and it's a very messy movie. It's not as good as the first by any means, but it is very fun. Brings you joy. And it brings me a lot of joy. And yeah. it's it's very enjoyable in the camp regard. And so for that, you know, you know, and the mixture of what is real and what is dream is very interesting and fun. Slap that high rating on it. Yeah, this is going to be a four out of five for me. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a solid movie. I'm right there with you. I, uh, you know, even when I was like shouting at it, being like, that's not how real people talk. I was having a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, like, I, uh, I'll never fault a movie for, for bringing me joy intentionally or not. Uh, well, sometimes, but in this case, not. And uh, I'm, yeah, I, I think, uh, I think a four is, is right where it should be. I, I think lower is fine too, but that's where I'm at. Um, I'm not much lower. Uh, I, I think that. How could you? <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> Why would you do this, Tease? Uh, Anything lower than a four is wrong. That's not my opinion. I think. I think this is a movie that is uh, kind of good in spite of itself. Like I don't yes, think it's absolutely. Yeah, totally. I don't, I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a very good movie in just about any regard. Um, but the. Just, so the just how fucking weird it is and just like the bizarre homoerotic overtones <laughs> like I, I can't you can't overtones say definitely yeah, yeah yeah like and just like the way the fucking movie presents itself just makes it kind of fascinating um but there's not enough freddy for my taste i think the uh quote-unquote blurring of the dream with reality is uh less interesting than it is messy and confusing um but man i sure got uh some some really good laughs out of this one you know so uh i'll give it a three and a half out of five um you know respectable it's it's not it's not a bad movie by any means Um, In, in conclusion uh fruity krueger there you go. Hey, there it is. That's good. That's good. <laughs> well, uh, that'll Fruity Krueger. And you, you can leave and be saying that's good. <laughs> yes. That's good. good and great. Great and great. Great, great and great. <laughs> well, that'll give uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 an average of 3.8 out of 5. Is next week Firestarter? It is. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. Did, did John Carpenter do the soundtrack to that? I was seeing He did. He did do the soundtrack. Okay. Yeah. All right. I don't so. think he did anything else. All right. It's right. going to be something. It's an adaptation of a Stephen King that I have not read. Uh, I'm curious to see it. I'm expecting very little. So I, <laughs> I am just hoping it. for Campy. Honestly, like the trailer makes it seem like it could be campy enough yeah. to be fun. And you know, I don't think from the trailer that we've seen it has the chops to be a good movie. But I'm not expecting it to be good, but I am kind of rooting for it. Yeah. So Yeah, that's a good I think a uh, way to go into it. Um yeah, the uh, a lot of the the promo art I've seen for it is uh, reminding me of like those old Stephen King book covers and stuff too. Like they seem to be leaning into like the the eighties aesthetic. It's got that kind of Stephen King carpentery font, you know, for the logo with like 
the F and fire and the uh, the R and starter is like are both big on either side. It, it feels like like the art direction, at least for like the key art is is giving me that vibe. Hopefully it, it, it's because it's made to match the film. We'll see. But we'll see. sorry, as a key artist, that's yeah. the kind of shit I think about. Well, <laughs> well we do get famous himbo uh zach efron oh we're the star of it so oh, he's the Look dad out. in this one zach efron is old enough to play a dad i now. know oh, that makes no. me feel old well we're old enough to be dads we just aren't we just aren't yeah thank god yeah. anyway come come back next week for Firestarter. could it be a jingle on the shelf for you and me this week is brought to you by Tax Evasion for Dummies. Are you looking to learn how to evade taxes? Well, just pick up a copy of Tax Evasion for Dummies <laughs> to learn how to uh, uh, say fuck you to the IRS in style, you dummy. Tax Evasion for Dummies. Get it now. In theaters. I mean, in bookstores today. In theaters. It's a movie. Alright. <laughs> Thank you for listening. <laughs> if you like the show, why don't you leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also support the show at patreon.com slash podpeoplepod. Shout out to honorary podboy Sam Simon. As always, we love and appreciate you. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at podpeoplepod, and at letterbox.com slash podpeoplepod where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those reviews. You can uh, follow me on Twitter at some spooky snake. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Sheets. And I'm occasionally tweeting for LiDAR Studios. We put up progress on It Stares Back. And of course, I'm working over at Dread XP. As you know, we've got all sorts of fun stuff going on. PAX was a fucking blast. Uh, We've got even more merch now. You can get My Friendly Neighborhood stickers and other other fun things for your gamer accoutrement. (laughs) (laughs) I can't fucking tell this truth. But, um, uh, uh, yeah, all sorts of fun fun games. Uh, Dreadx Collection uh, is going to be coming out uh, very soon. Dreadx Collection 5. Um, uh, I did the cover art for that. And a lot of the in-game art, too, for the hub world. So uh, go uh, go check that out. Uh, go give it a wish list if it's not out. And if it's out, give it a play. It's extremely cool. I won't say uh, what it is or why, but the monster is awesome fucking awesome it's so cool y'all um what a neat design uh anyway uh yeah that's it for me well thank you again dear listener and until next time if you need us you can find us where we belong in the closet